When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hello, welcome to Talking City, the Manchester City podcast for Manchester News. I'm Rich Very delighted to say I'm joined by Simon Bykowski. Hello. And Ian Cheeseman. You all right? Nice to have you both here. It's been a, quite a busy week following Manchester City. Um, in terms of transfers is where we want to start off today. And there's no real progress over the Napoli deal for Jorginho, which I've said in the wrong way around there. but uh, Well, less progress than, than we thought, really. Yeah. Um, I, I'm well aware, I said last week, both... Mares and Jorginho should be wrapped up before the World Cup, and uh, it's not that, started yet. That isn't looking <laughs> as likely now. Um, but I mean, the Jorginho one's a funny one because we'd heard for for weeks from his agent that it was it was almost a done deal, and all it needed was Napoli and City to to agree terms. But um, they haven't agreed terms yet. <laughs> is where we're at at the minute on on Monday afternoon. Um, City obviously valued Jorginho around forty million. That's where their opening bid came in. Uh, Napoli, I'm told, started high and got higher, um, and we're looking for around sixty million. Um, and City, I don't think we're too impressed by the negotiating s- style and the negotiations as they went on. Um, Aurelio De Laurentiis, the Na- Napoli president, is renowned as being quite a tough negotiator. And City did not go back with a second bid um, as they waited to see what Napoli would do and made it known that uh, Matteo Kovacic and Mario Lamina are also targets and that City could walk away from the deal. So we're still expecting it to go ahead and it is just the case of two clubs coming to an agreement. Uh, but it has been more complicated than we thought it would be. You mentioned that these, this, the transfer fees, the twenty million or so apart. Um, how long do you think City can give it before they do just give up on on judging? Obviously, we've seen in the last year or so since Pep's taken over really, that City don't like to play games in the transfer market. If a team's valuation is way off, sometimes they just walk away and that's it. They, they don't want to be drawn into these transfer sagas anymore, do they, City? No, they don't. But I think Jorginho is different from. Alexis Sanchez and Fred because there is no doubt that Jorginho wants to play for City mm. and his agent has been putting public pressure on Napoli to say my player is not going to be very happy if he doesn't get yeah, this yeah. deal opportunity of a lifetime um, I think with both Alexis and Fred that they wanted moves more than they wanted to move to City and mm. City likes to have total commitment because why wouldn't you it's the kind of thing that the line was that they wanted to get their business done before the World Cup. And again, why wouldn't you? Um, if we're looking at it realistically, um, City's pre-season preparations don't start on Wednesday. They've got most of the players at the World Cup, but Pep's still golfing his way around Europe. <laughs> so they're not going to be getting together anytime soon. So in reality, does it matter if they sign Jorginho tomorrow or... In two yeah. weeks' time, it's it's not what you want here as a fan, but I don't think they will be uh, running out of patience if they're really convinced that Giorgio Jorginho is the player for them. Yeah, I think it's interesting as well what you said about um, 
the other players that necessarily move these, they wanted moves rather than moves to City. I guess that also ties in with the sort of character profiling that City have here. They want players who are hungry to play for the club, not just play for anyone. You want them to be part of that style. And I guess because Pep's, it's not as if Jorginho is one of many targets. Out of those three targets, said Kovacic, Lamina, Jorginho is the top one he's been pursued for a while. Um, do you think there will be a middle ground found in the coming weeks between between the two clubs? Or I mean, he went on record last week. Let's add yeah. one to the list. Yeah, here. no, I, I do, I do think. It will be found. I think it was both clubs have very distinct styles of negotiating and they kind of butted heads yeah. and have continued to butt heads for longer than than we thought. Mm. I think it will go through. Um, and as, as much as they have other targets, I don't see either of those players as being the kind of the player that Jorginho is. And it's not just about him being a much better player than them, but he's... His game is so close to Fernandinho's, and mm. if you're looking to replace Fernandinho, then he is the ideal fit for the City. So I'd be very surprised if they walked away. And there were some quotes from the president this week saying that even though they were a little bit apart, he yeah. liked he actually liked the way that City were dealing with it. Yeah, he said they have a good um, relationship. So you would think that that would give a much more grounds for optimism. But I think every every point you've just made does. Uh, fair it, and it is frustrating as for a fan and a lot of fans come to me why is it not done now and they all want to yeah. know I mean as soon as City themselves do a tweet about anything if you look at the comments that come after the tweet announce Jorginho announce Jorginho announce Mares because people are impatient people want it immediately yeah. and United signed someone so City yeah, have to exactly yeah. so I, I don't think that should be a cause for concern because the transfer window doesn't shut until uh t- Somewhere just at the beginning of August, just before the, uh, I think it's just Back before the first months. Premier League game, isn't it? Yeah. Um, so, although it's a little bit nearer than before, it, there's still plenty of time, and I don't think I think they know what they're doing, and I think you should trust City now because they did, as you mentioned, Rich, walk away from two deals that weren't right for them, and even though everybody who was sort of counting down to that, does get agitated. I'm talking about fans again here. Sort of go, ah, oh, why have you let him slip through the net and everything? But, as Simon so eloquently put it, there were probably reasons for that, that, that actually walking away in the end was probably the right, I think was the right decision. Whereas with Jorginho, with Mares, Mares is clearly something that's been going on for quite a while now. Um, I think they're doing it just right. And And the other thing, of course, to remember is that City themselves now, once the deals are done, won't necessarily immediately announce them. So for all we know, Mares could have actually been done now, but it might take them three or four days because they want to film a video with Mares saying, hello yeah. and welcome to Manchester, holding his shirt up. There was the Mangala videos, wasn't there, that went yeah. around for like a month before it was announced. Yeah, exactly. They love to do that now and they like to time it on when they yeah. think the appropriate time is. You can't blame them for that. So that's also got to be taken into account. So be all I'd say, City fans, is be patient, and uh, and, and I'm sure that these things will happen. But Simon knows more than me in terms yeah. <laughs> of where they're up to. But it does instinctively feel to me as if those two will go through. Yeah, and in terms of Mara's, we've been told for some time now that it's kind of to do with it's down to negotiating the minor bits and the agent stuff, and and when it gets to that you kind of think it's pretty yeah. much there. I mean, the longer it goes on and it's not announced, you, again, people get impatient. Twitchy. But yeah, <laughs> there's been nothing to suggest that it won't happen. Leicester are a lot happier to sell than they were in January 
um, and City have got the time to get the deal done. Mm. You've heard your leader's spoken, City fans. Be patient, don't <laughs> worry. It's all going to come to it. Um, also, but they, got the but, but they might not sign before the World Cup. But they might not sign. <laughs> we'll, we'll have that caveat, so if Silas hand. But, but you've got Ian's words of wisdom. But I would be staggered if they're not on the tour. Ooh, that's but, another, uh, if, I think that's what we might sell this yeah, podcast if, as. If they're not on the tour, then I probably won't still be here to, <laughs> to answer for that one. And talking in terms of the tour, before we get on to our next subject, um, you got a tweet in before, didn't you, saying, um, when, one, the first question was from, from a fan saying, when, when do the players go on tour? Which I, I hope one of you Yeah, this know. is from uh, Lickhith. <laughs> uh, um, I, I don't know if that's the name or just a pseudonym yeah. or whatever. Uh, but the pl- the question was, when will the players leave for pre-season in the USA? Well, that's easy because it's the 17th of July. Um, does the club decide on loaning out players before or after pre-season? That's not one, I think, that has a, a black and white answer. No. Um, I think um, it, it would make sense if, if the right situation occurred to take as many of your players that are on the periphery, the loan players, for a number of reasons. First of all, actually to fill your slots because so many internationals will be away with the World Cup or not have got back from the holidays or whichever we want to look at it. Uh, also, it puts them in the shop window. Um, so that's two good reasons yeah. anyway. And Pep can, in theory, assess them, having maybe not watched them at close quarters for a while, may even change his mind, may even add a player to his squad. And that may have even happened a little bit with Zinchenko last year when they went on pre-season because he played in some of those games and suddenly this last season he appeared a bit more. So you could have a Burson Salina or you know one of one of the players who's you know who's been out on loan, uh, making an appearance and suddenly laying claim a little bit. So I think there's no black and white as much as I'd like to give you a yes, no answer. I don't think it's as simple as that. I think uh, for example, if Sinchenko ends up being part of the Jorginho deal. At the moment, we're hearing Patrick Roberts is more likely to be part of that. But at one stage, Zinchenko was. I don't think City would go, well, we need Zinchenko for pre-season, so he can't be part of the deal. So I don't think it's it's quite that straightforward. I hope that answers the question. Do you agree with that side? Do you think that it's going to be? Yeah, yeah, yeah. You have, I think certain players will be lined up for loans before Mm. the tour and they will hope to get that business done before the tour or... They won't go on the tour to get those um, to get those deals over the line because you look at uh, Arrow Murich, who was third choice keeper last season, and Angus Gunn. Uh, Murich sh- should be loaned out for the season. Gunn either a loan or a, a sale potentially because um, he but wants see, to if play an- football. If, Ang- if Angus Gunn played in America, on yeah, pre-season. And obviously, somewhere that it'll be televised when they play Liverpool, Bayern Munich, Borussia Dortmund, that could add another million pounds to some. If he makes a couple of blinding saves, yeah, so yeah, you fulfil yeah. you, what you want to do, don't you? Yeah, I mean, I don't think it'll be short of of interest, but yeah. if uh, they wanted to to raise his profile, yeah. they, they it could be the difference between a, a move to the high end of the Championship and the low end of the Premier League, though, for Angus Gunn, if you have a good showing on, on pre-season like that. And I guess while we're on goalkeepers, there's also a new deal for Grimshaw in the, in the last few yeah, days. Yeah, and yeah, yeah. looks like he's going to be, well, yeah. he's definitely planned for the future at City. In terms of the goalkeepers going forward, what do you think Pep Guardiola's plan is? Play Edison. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> so I can't argue with that. <laughs> we, can say, we can save that sound. Well, that well, well we think... Um, no, Edison will continue as number yeah. one. Claudio Bravo is expected to stay. 
um, as number two and cup goalkeeper next season. And then Grimshaw should be number three um, next year and play the role that, that Murich did Last year he rarely made a match day squad, but he was always or nearly always part of the the travelling squad, um, building up that experience before probably a loan out yeah. the season after. But Edison and Bravo were, were set to stay. Yeah, I mean, actually that conversation that you're having there about the goalkeepers, and this is slightly off topic, when you look at the World Cup squads and you look at England taking these three relatively inexperienced keepers... Um, and you think to yourself, oh, oh, and obviously you could widen it out to Germany, probably got three keepers mm-hmm. as well. And I've often wondered, why do you take three keepers to a World Cup? City went through the entire last season without Murich ever being visible, really. Yeah, yeah. Um, so, it, you know, you wonder, why have you got three keepers like that? And personally, I'd have preferred to see Joe Hart go as England's third keeper purely even if you've no intention of playing him just because of the experience he takes with him and for not that Germany matters to most people listening to this but maybe they could have left their third goalkeeper out and took Sane um, which is just bizarre that he's not going because the fact is that City played what 60-65 games over last season only ever played two keepers the World Cup you play what seven games if you win it you know, why do you need to take three keepers? Yeah, it's yeah. a... It's, it's, there's a FIFA regulation, is there, that says you have to take three, I believe. Well, can't you name Niall Quinn or Nigel Gleghorn as your third keeper? It's interesting, isn't it? <laughs> outfield play, you know, yeah. an outfield play could be yeah. named as your third keeper, couldn't he, surely? It's an odd quirk, isn't it? Yeah, I've been You have three goalkeepers in a 23-man squad, and mm. I think the, this, a statistic that I can't... Call to hand, but uh, the, the third yeah. keeper's never been played in any World Cup. It's probably the statistic. Yeah, yeah. It's, <laughs> it's not far off that. Yes, I remember when Wales went to the Euros in 2016. Danny Ward did start the opening game. I guess having three keepers there helped Wales in the end because he was third choice. But <laughs> got to try and get that in somewhere. I mean, not going to the World Cup, so they've got to give him credit somewhere. <laughs> You're not half Welsh, are you? By any chance? Maybe. <laughs> and then you go. Oh, I've lost my track there. We're going on to the other. Big subject of the last week. It broke after we did our podcast last week and the Yaya Torre story. Um, Pep Guardiola responded over the weekend speaking to, I believe, Spanish TV, um, saying that they were lies, the allegations made by Yaya Torre. What have you made of this uh, whole... I've been, a, I've been a huge defender of Yaya Torre and, and I'm, I am a huge fan of what he's done for the club. Um, and when Birthday Gate happened and... When his agent started spouting off, I was probably one of those people who was defending him. Mm. In fact, I was one of those people defending him and saying, I understand the relationship with the agent and I sort of, and that the birthday cake thing was exaggerated. And when it, it felt like the chapter closed perfectly with that game against Brighton, the big send off, the speech, and you sort of felt as if at that point you could draw a line under it. Yeah. And finally, the City fans who were doubters, and there might still have been a few um, out there before the most recent escapades happened, who sort of thought, well, fair enough, maybe I was a bit hard on him and had slightly forgi- you know, more or less forgiven him. Now these most recent comments, it, I mean, obviously I haven't heard what him say these words, but if those quotes are accurate that he said, mm-hmm. I feel very disappointed and very let down that a hero of mine should depart in that manner 
by whether he believes those comments is almost irrelevant. The fact that he, having had such a great send-off and so much love and affection from City fans, felt it was appropriate to express those views. As I say, he's entitled to whatever views he wants. But having had such a send-off, having earned, you know, let's get mercenary about it, having earned so much money from his time at Manchester City, did it feel that appropriate to me to, to speak out and say those things. I mean, I spoke to somebody who's a, a huge fan of Yaya Toure, who, whose actual word to me was, I said, how do you feel about all this? And he said, I'm heartbroken. And I think that's that's a bit like I feel. Um, and I feel, and I've seen polls on, on social media from City fan groups saying, have you now lost patience? Is he now no longer a legend and all this? And it's been at least 75% of City fans saying, that's it, done with him. He's not a legend anymore. Um, we saw, I didn't actually watch the game, that Soccer Aid game, but I was told that Yaya was booed by a certain section of the crowd. In fact, somebody I met this morning said to me that at first they thought it was because it was at Old Trafford and he was a City player. But then it was sort of explained that, no, actually, there is a an anti-Yaya fearing, feeling now you know, from the City fans as well. And if, if he ends up going to West Ham or Burnley or wherever, Everton, the different places he's been linked with, but if he comes back to the Etihad next season, unfortunately, I don't, I'm not saying I want this to happen, but unfortunately, I feel it's inevitable now that he's going to get the Milner treatment. He's going to get, he's, you know, he's going to get booed and he's going to get jeered. And what a shame that that's, he can't ever imagine that happening to Aguero or Silva or Vincent Company or Pablo or Zabaleta, of course, has had great receptions when he's come back. And, and and to think that's going to happen. I mean, to me, it's crying out for Yaya Torre to speak publicly, to explain himself, um, you know. And, and if he did say those things, explain it. If he didn't say those things, then say, I'm being misquoted here. I, I think we'd have heard if he hadn't said it. Yeah, them. and he hasn't <laughs> said it. So clearly, yeah. it, it, it smacks to me as if this it's all true. Um in terms of Pep, he's, he's reacted to it and he's not happy. And who would be, you know? Um, it's just left a sour taste in the mouth. And uh, I still want to put Yaya Torre, I'll be honest, I still want to put him on a, a pedestal. I, I will never forget the contribution that he's made. But I, I, it just, it does, it breaks my heart that I can no longer um, wholeheartedly think of him as, as, a, as a good guy. And, and, I, know, I don't know Yaya Toure very well, and we in this industry meet people br- fairly briefly in fairly artificial situations. I mean, I hear things from other people away from football as well, but my impression of him always has been what a lovely, kind, gentle giant he is. Intelligent um, as well. And intelligent, yeah. And and then this all goes against that. Um, I, I just I feel let down and... I don't know. I mean, it's just such a shame, don't you think? Yeah, no, I, I think you've you've hit the nail on the head. That Brighton game, it was kind of like 80, 90, 95% of people all in agreement, Yaya, City legend. And it kind of, you know, it depends how what you need to be to be a legend now at a club because there will be some people who still think that he is. He um, can't not be a footballing legend, no, can he? No, exactly, no. But, you know, it's probably shot right down to, you know, less than half, less than a quarter. And some of those people will 
get over the comments in time, but you know, you're probably still left with less than half, maybe. And now, if he does come back again and play against City, there will be booze, and you can't you can't sort of say don't boo him because people are entitled to think whatever they like, and that the comments were just so needless and so unnecessary. And um, I mean. I know he's looking for another club and we had his agent when he when Torre's departure was announced saying, Oh, he'll give half his wages back if he's if he's no good and then after Torre's outburst of the day he was saying, Oh, he'll play for a pound a week at a top six club just so imagining, you know, you you're saying that you've got years left in you and you want to dedicate a season to like spiting one of the best managers in the world who's given you some pretty good years. It, it's just so petty. Um, it, the it, thing that makes it worse for City fans is that whilst, again, you're quite right to say that his motivation appears to be to get back at Pep, he was at City before Pep. And, yeah. unfo- and, and unfortunately, it soured the whole thing. It, it feels like, t- as a fan, yes, you're attacking our manager. Yes, you're attacking this great coach. But you're also attacking our club. And that's where City fans rile up more than anything because it feels like a personal attack on the club. Now, that may be where he can slightly defend himself if he chooses to and say, English isn't my first language. And even when we speak to him in English, um, to be honest, his English, I mean, it's obviously his English accents, is a yeah. lot better than my uh, French yes. or you know yeah. other, other languages. But he isn't great and he does mumble a little bit in, in English. Yeah. So I can understand why... Uh, or I'm trying to justify my own mind as to why he might have been slightly misinterpreted. But it was an interview with French football, though. France football magazine, yeah. I think. Yeah, so yeah, true. It been in French. But, yeah. But, it, but what I'm saying is it comes across as an attack on City as yeah. well as an attack on Pep. Yeah. Maybe he meant it purely personal. That doesn't make it right. No. But nevertheless, it would be less impactful, possibly, on some factions of the City crowd if he took City completely out of it, but he seems to have put the whole thing in one one big hit, which is even more upsetting, isn't it? Yeah, and I, I think Guardiola's response has been spot on, really. You know, neither he nor the club dignified the quotes with a with an answer for a long time. And then um, a lot of Guardiola's biggest critics um, tend to say that he stopped speaking to them on and off the training pitch or he... You know, he, he didn't care for them or the, the well-being. He was just interested in the football and the tactics. You, you get build up this caricature of a guy who's just locked away in a room mm-hmm. thinking up false nines. But um, Guardiola said, you know, Torre's been been here two years and never once said that to my face. So it, it says it all about the comments that he's... Uh, come out with him once he's bolted. Yeah. Mm. It wasn't as if he was forced to stay at the club anyway, are you? I no, mean, he could have turned down that one-year yeah, contract extension. Signed, so. And I bet it was more than a pound a week. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> and one of the comments that he said, um, he alluded to, that he was um, sort of refused the farewell he felt he deserved at City. Yeah, My God, how, how, what a farewell <laughs> did he want? That's what I was going to ask you. What, what more could City have done? To that, keep... That's the best farewell. I mean, I know they did go on for Pablo Zabaleta. That's the best farewell I've ever seen for an individual player. It was outstanding. Well, the, the worry was that it might not be as big as they went for Zabaleta because Zabaleta is so wholly loved, even though he's not done as much on a football pitch. But, you know, it, 
it at least matched it. And at least, yeah. It was, uh, you know, he's got a mosaic at the training ground yeah. that Pep has to walk past every day now. <laughs> and, you know, the Yaya Torre pitch, which, yeah. you know, there's no plans to raise that or um, take, take the mosaic down. So it, you can understand that he's frustrated at the way his, yeah, his time at City ended. Um, but those frustrations are no excuse for... He's in denial. He's in denial. We all know that that Yaya Toure is not the player now that he was in his pomp. No questioning what he could do in his pomp. But in that last season, would any of us truly, would we have picked him in any other games than he was picked in? I mean, I actually thought playing him for 85 minutes against Brighton was very generous. Mm -hmm. Well, I mean, last last summer he did look all right on the pre-season tour. And he he started more than Fernandinho on that. So it was a surprise when he was dropped. Um, unceremoniously, but if you're playing at that age, you need to be playing every week. And could he have played 60 games? Fernandinho, as I've said many times, my player yeah. of the year. So yeah, exactly. It's not as if the player who's replaced him, if, if you want to make yeah. it a straight comparison, yeah. didn't have a good season. No, no, <laughs> no. It, you know, is if you're not playing every week, then your legs go, and you get performances like Brighton and hmm. Bristol City in the League Cup. It was particularly noticeable. Um, so you know, it's it's easy to see why they let him go, yeah. and nothing to do with his his reasons in his head. No, I mean, as a as a city fan, this whole situation. How how do you feel? Do you think that there's anything that Yaya can do to? Well, the only thing he can do, as I say, is to is to now speak out, um, but do it to camera or do it do it on, on radio or something where people are not just reading quotes mm. that have appeared from somewhere else or his, his manager speaking for himself. And to me, he's got to say say very clearly that, uh, you know, because there was a little bit where, um, uh, you know, he sort of said, it's, it's making me wonder whether... Yeah. That was what the way he phrased one of his topics. Yeah. Now, that's a de- always a very dangerous phrase to yeah. use because you're not actually making a direct accusation, but you're sort of leaving people in no doubt that that's in your mind. So everybody interprets it in different ways. Come out with a comment now. Come and make the comment now and say, um, it was just a thought in my mind. What I meant to say was, and then make it clearer, and that might help that. Sadly, I, apart from time, I don't think there's a way to heal this now. I think it has done tremendous damage with the city, city fans. And um, as I said before, the only the only word I can use for it, for me personally, because I'm such a huge fan of his, is heartbreaking. Yeah, and mm. like I said, that's it was only a couple of weeks ago that myself and you and Stu were on the podcast talk about where he ranked amongst the greatest ever city players, and we're yeah, having yeah. a Tory loving. It's crazy how things can move in, in a matter of weeks, and I guess. You need a distraction from all these bad moves because there's no reason to be upset as a City fan. They've just had the best season Absolutely. in English top flight. That era is over now. With History. The, yeah, yeah. And I guess it is about that new chapter in the book. And looking forward, we've got this World Cup on the horizon. We had Gabriel Jesus starring for Brazil over the weekend. Another goal for him. And he's well ahead of Firmino in the ranks at the moment with the national team, which I know Liverpool fans aren't happy with. Um, are you excited for the World Cup as a City fan? Yeah. Uh, personally, the World Cup is not what it used to be for me. Uh, I think there's too many teams in it. I think there'll be a lot of mediocre games in, in Russia. Um, the opener, one of them probably. Yes, perfect example. Russia against Saudi Arabia is not one I'm going to be glued <laughs> to. Um, 
And Robbie Williams is performing at the opening ceremony, I believe. He might as well play in the game. It's not going to make any difference, (laughs) is it? Um, To me, the World Cup was at its best when it was a smaller number of teams in it and it wasn't as commercialised as it is now. I'm not going to Russia and I had no plans to go to Russia. However, what I do feel sad about is the vast majority of people in the stadiums now in these World Cup games are going to be corporate people who are connected to all the different sponsors uh, and the ordinary people um, who may otherwise have been persuaded to go to games are not going to really go there and can't afford it. And I mean, I know Russia at the moment is a place that perhaps people would be a bit wary of going to, but even if it was in France or Germany or Italy or somewhere that was much more accessible... Um, a lot of the ordinary fans, the people I talk to on a week-to-week basis who are obsessed with football and going to games, not just watching mm. on the television, they, they probably they wouldn't go, most of them. There wouldn't be any interest in going. Um, until it gets to the quarterfinals, uh, I don't think this, the World Cup really starts anymore. I think once you get to the quarterfinals, the, yes, that's something worth watching. Once you're down to those last eight I mean, there might be one surprise team in there, but mostly it'll be the teams you're expecting. There won't be an Italy, there won't be a Holland this year, but still it'll be Germany and Argentina and Brazil, hopefully England, and those are the types of teams that will be in that last eight. Um, It's generally not the the, the teams that are going to get just washed away, and no disrespect, but Tunisia and Iran and Saudi Arabia, I mean, it's all going to fall by the wayside. So... Do I get ex- and I actually think the quality of football that's being played in the Premier League, and particularly by City at the moment, is so superior to what you're going to be watching at the World Cup that um, were in the past, as a City fan, um, I might have watched the World Cup or I might have watched top games in another league as a sort of almost antidote um, to the tribal following of City, which is what it was, because the football wasn't so great. Now, City fans even watch Match of the Day and say to me, you know, the other teams aren't that great. You know, it makes you realise how good we are. And so watching the World Cup will have that effect on people. It will have that effect on people. club football even more, though. Exactly, it? exactly. And the dilemma for City fans is, you know, do, do, you, watch, do you watch an England game if, there's, if all four of the City players are playing? Do you think, oh, great, fantastic, they're all playing, I'm really proud of my City I'm a City fan and all four City players are in the team. Do you, is that your whole modus operandus? And do you want England to get all the way through to the final? Or do you secretly hope that England get knocked out at the end of the group stage so that those four can then go on holiday, have a break, be refreshed for the new season? Do you secretly hope that the four of them don't get selected so you don't get any injuries? Um, and I did a column this week for the Evening News and one of the things I, I said as, as another example, I said when England play Belgium, you know, when if KDB it's nil nil with with you know, and England need to win the game or get a draw because I think it's the last game in the group, yeah, it isn't is, it? England yeah. Belgium. So let's say that England need a point right to go through. Uh, unlikely, I think the both probably have qualified by then England and Belgium. But let's say that they needed a point. In comes a corner, minute minute to go. Kevin De Bruyne up goes company challenging John Stones. Is there a conflict of interest in your mind at that? Are you thinking? Yeah, bring him down to whatever you've got to do. Like, no, don't touch Vincent. We don't want him for the new season. All those things are going to be going through people's minds, aren't they? And obviously, with so many players away on international duty, you know, you can go through them all Brazil and Portugal and France and Germany. They've all got 
players of City calibre in him. So when those countries play England, how do you feel? Do you want those teams to get knocked out early on so they can go home and have two weeks on the beach before they join City in pre-season? Or do you just watch the World Cup without not letting any of that affect you? And more and more now, I think people will think that way and will have those worries and anxieties and then it makes watching the World Cup such more complicated than it used to be. <laughs> so, do you think, I guess, a different question? I mean, I wonder if you're. Without wishing to completely disagree, I'm really excited for the World Cup. Oh, you've got your stick around <laughs> on your wall chart. So yeah, 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 yeah. And, it, you know, I, I'm quite excited to watch the. Uh, the, de- the dead games. The Group dead H. games. Have well, you got a Panini sticker book? I don't have a Panini sticker book uh, now. Does it look like the type of person who could have? <laughs> right, I don't know whether that's a compliment <laughs> or an insult. But and I don't actually know if it's a compliment <laughs> or an insult. No. I'll, uh, I'll slide take on it, by it. Take but it as well. As yeah, well. no, I think there's some uh, some pretty tasty groups. And I think the England media coverage has been very positive. I think our Southgate's got a plan and he's going to stick with it. And it's quite a young exciting squads that might go very far or might not but shouldn't uh, lead to the kind of headlines that well no doubt get that, that, they, that they have had previously oh you cynic rich <laughs> um, yeah and you know the fact that it's in Russia means the game times are Suitable. pretty decent for yeah. English English viewing so uh, no 7am kickoffs like 2002 no 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 exactly yeah um yeah, I I would encourage people not to think about club football worries and just, just enjoy put it on ice and in, enjoy the the spectacle that it is and the the feast of football and hopefully we do get some good games and I don't know whether City will have an influence in that because um, Euro twenty sixteen was absolutely dreadful and it was Whoa. coming off the back of this. Uh, Leicester had won the Premier League and counter-attacking football was king and it was just 90 minutes of two teams saying, you have the ball, world counter-attack. No, you have the ball, world counter. And nobody did anything for Mm. game after game and it was so terrible to watch. So maybe um, City and their possession football, attacking, exciting, can... uh, can maybe give inspiration to a few teams to go out and and give it a go. It seems like England are going to are going to at least try um, going three five two, and they've got Sterling and and Ali Walker, and Walker as a centre back, yeah, and things like that. Um, so I'm quite interested to see Sterling as a number ten. I don't know whether that might be yeah. something that City can, can, learn can from latch on to. Yeah, I know Pep wanted to play him there last season before injuries, so maybe City can give some of the national teams a bit of a helping hand. Yeah, well, Pep's influence on Germany was there to very, really to see. They went and won the World Cup after he'd been at Bayern Munich. So who knows? Uh, so much of English football at the moment seems to be... Even teams in the lower divisions that I've, I've been and watched have started playing the ball out from the goalkeeper and playing out from the back and concentrating on possession Not football. Um, so if, if that spreads through to the World Cup, I agree with you that it should be better and more palatable to watch. So fingers crossed mm. that that's what happens it's, and you can fill up your panini yeah. stick. Yeah, up. it's always the hope that kills you, isn't it? <laughs> I'm just getting jealous of Ian saying that the, non, the, the lower league teams he watches play it out from the back. <laughs> <laughs> I've been following non-league football for a whole year and I've not seen, I've not seen Wrexham do that once. But we'll still go again next year and see what they say. Um, similar to what Ian said before, Sai, what, what do you think Pep Guardiola's view on the World Cup could be? Do you think he wants his players to go the whole way to win it, come back as winners? 
Preseason tour, do you think he wants them to have a bit of a rest? Yeah, it's a bit of a tough one. Yeah. Um, and he's got, I guess he's got so many interests around the country. Well, it, something would go very wrong if a City player didn't win the World Cup this summer because they've got players at yeah, every it. leading team. Yeah. So you'd be very surprised. And Guardiola himself is a serial winner as a player and a manager won everything there was to go. And you don't have to look back at like the way they handled Phil Foden last year when... Um, he would have played first team football in like the League Cup had he not been on under seventeen World Cup duty, but they thought it was more important for him to play in front of sixty thousand fans, and he won the World Cup. He was the best player, as opposed to Jaden Sancho, who Dortmund recalled that after the last sixteen round, mm-hmm. I think so he didn't get that euphoria of winning the actual final. Not trying to compare Foden and Sancho, but. Um, you know, Guardiola has made it clear that he, he values um, players winning things and having those experiences. And that's, you know, if a lot of City players go far in this World Cup, that will only help them in next year's Champions League. The big thing that Guardiola says about the European game is that City don't have the, the feeling of being one of the elite teams and knowing that they can perform on the biggest stages. So, you know he'll be very pleased if a sizable chunk of his his players get through. Um, same time, it's bad because you want to plan your season, yeah. and I think he said he's going to give them three weeks off, regardless of when they finish. So some of them won't even be there by the Community Shield, which is a week before the season starts. So it is a worry. Um, City, I've got more players, more representatives at the World Cup than any other team, but. It will affect, you know, every other Premier League team. So there is one other concern, which is the, the extreme concern, really. But if you look at what happened to Liverpool in that Champions League final, and um, because of those two mistakes that Carrius made, and I know that it's a complicated story because obviously they've had the concussion story since then. But it's almost made his position at Liverpool as a result of one game, mm. one high moment of tension, untenable. You know, you just wonder how how he's going to carry on playing for Liverpool. If that was to happen to a City player, you know, missed a penalty in in the semi final yeah. or something like that, you but don't know how that's going to affect them, do you? Fernandinho was not great in the fourteen fifteen season after being I mean, that World that Cup where the Germany yeah. beat them. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, so yeah, the, there's always the opportunity for a, something to go drastically wrong. Well, that's mm. a fantastic positive. <laughs> yeah, we're being right. really positive here. There's, was there another question? There was another question. question. I mean, we've got to end on a high because if we have that, we're very it, excited for the World Cup. I think if it goes, I think if we had that, it faded out. That would be the perfect finale for us. But uh, no, we, we did have one more question that was um, looking forward to City's title fight next season. I think it came in to Ron, you on Twitter. Ronewa, Ronewa said, "Which team is best place to catch us?" Obviously, talking about the Premier League next season, or, or perhaps just domestically, anywhere with City. Um, I mean, uh, it, the instinct is to say Liverpool because they actually beat City a couple of times, and and, and not, you know, not to mention mm. the Champions League and everything. But I still, I still think United will be the big challenges next season. Uh, they obviously made some business early, and whilst I'm not a big fan of the style of football that they play, uh, and I'm not just saying this because of track record because I hate using cliches but this Jose Mourinho is a serial winner doesn't mean anything when you go into the next season however 
He is an experienced coach, has proven that he can win trophies. And United, despite the 19-point gap, still were City's biggest challenges. And I don't see him going backwards. Um, I can see City, um, um, because of the expectation levels that will be on them and because they set the bar so high, not being as far ahead next season. So that, by definition, would mean that the others are closing the gap or are catching them up. And it feels to me as if United... Whether as a blue you want to admit that or not is another thing, but as if they will still be the main challenges because uh, Liverpool still feel to me as if they're a bit hit and miss, but they, they, they may prove to be the team. It's going to be one of them too anyway. United and Liverpool will be the biggest challenges, don't you think? Simon's going to go with something else here. Well, I'm not ruling out the, the serial winners of Chelsea. It depends um, who takes over, doesn't it? It depends who takes over, but Chelsea have, you know... Uh, a proven record of hiring managers who then go on to win the league and then get sacked. <laughs> yeah. So if if someone else comes in, I mean, uh, Sarri from Napoli has been linked, and we know how highly Guardiola rates him. So that would be another challenge. But um, United and Liverpool are, are the two mate. I'm surprised. I'm a bit surprised with United because Mourinho spent. A fair chunk of last season talking about how there was no chance this team could catch City if they didn't outspend them this summer. And it doesn't currently look as though they're going to outspend them massively. Or, you know, it it's not like United are going out and buying everyone left, right and centre. They seem to be making quite sensible purchases, you know, uh, replacing positions that they need... Uh, they need filling that they've identified as being weak and, and doing that. So I don't know whether that is that makes them underrated because they're kind of buying players that you wouldn't necessarily expect United with buying. They've had a number of years of going out and getting these superstars that don't turn out to be superstars when they go through the, the United coaching system. So, uh, yeah, I'm a, a little unsure as to what to make of United at this point in the summer because... They've surprised me a bit, mm. um, but they—I mean, the talent they've got in the squad—they should be challenging City. Yeah. So, um, what do you think, Rich? Well, it was interesting that both of you have ruled out Arsenal and Spurs straight away. There, basically, there's no mention of either of them, which says a lot. I think. I no. think Arsenal will get better under Allegri, and they'll get. Oh, sorry, Emery. They won't get too much better. They might have been loads better under Allegri. Yeah, that's, that's what <laughs> they should have made those Spurs. You know what to expect from Spurs. I think they're almost reaching their peak under that side. They need a bit more investment. They sort of at the, the plateau they can get to. There's City are City's biggest rivals going into next season. It depends. City can perform at eighty percent as well as they did this season. They'll still win the league. It just depends on. And we talk about the touch and stuff about injuries and what happens if t- teams find them out. We've spoken in recent weeks about how teams are going to approach City, how deep they're going to drop. They're going to just go for draws whenever you play City. I feel that some of the other top four teams won't have that treatment. It's going to be interesting to see. It was a horrible tactic against City, but we saw last season lots of horrible sort of... We've got cards being promoted, haven't we? We're going to have to see what sort of approach other sides have against City. At least it's not Wrexham, eh? Uh, <laughs> one day. Could get an unfortunate cup run. But we'll have to wait and see. I think... City are still favourites. I think United, like I said, have made interesting transfers and they've sort of reshuffled the backroom staff as well. But Chelsea are always mysterious. You never know what to expect. The first two months will really give you indication, as always. But I think City, it's got to be City, surely, hasn't it? 
Well, I think I think if City retain the title, it will end the discussion of are they a great team yeah. or not because not only will they have had the most successful season in English top flight history, but they'll have done what no team has done since 2009, which will be a decade, and retain the title. Um, that's the only thing that stops you thinking that City are going to breeze it or win it again be- because it hasn't been done. Been. But, you know, no one had won successive Champions Leagues and Real have won three in a row now. So, you know, those stats are there to be shot down and surpassed. And uh, I think City will certainly start the season as heavy favourites. And you wanted to mention in this podcast Patrick Vieira, didn't you? Moving on. That's very true. I'm glad that you mentioned that. <laughs> almost as if the host has forgotten, wasn't it? That? <laughs> almost. Yeah. He really disguised it quite well. Yeah, Patrick Vieira announced officially as the new Nice manager today. It's nice for him, that. Nice. Yeah. Um, the dad jokes. I actually think that that's a great move because at the trouble with being in the MLS is that it's hard to judge how what the standard of that MLS is. I mean, I've seen an MLS game. I've, I've watched New York City play. And as I sat there and watched it, this was a couple of years ago, I did actually think to myself, I wonder what league this would be in if it was in England. And I couldn't help thinking at the time, I think it was actually New York City's first season, or maybe the second. But I kept thinking to myself, it's probably about League One or lower championship yeah. level. It certainly wasn't of a massive standard. Now, the standard may have improved since then. But still, playing in the French League with Nice, if he can get them into Champions League qualifying and, and make a bit of a stamp, um, that would make him far more in position to eventually replace Pep Guardiola at City. So I wouldn't think that just because he's leaving the City group and going on his own somewhere means that's the end of his connection um, or rules out, uh, you know, come back in the future. In fact, I actually think strengthens it. It, it's, it could potentially strengthen it. Yeah, he has, he has such fond connections with the City group, and anyway, for giving that first opportunity in coaching as well. It's not as if he's just ditching them. He's taking the next progressive step. Like I said, it's going to be interesting to see just how he develops. He's taken all of his backroom staff nearly as well from New York. It's going to be interesting to see how they adapt in the French league. And I guess it's an interesting league as well, but. You know that if he does well in that, people then be saying, "Oh, it's only the French league." So maybe it's a bit of a yeah, but it's another step, step, isn't it? It's another step. People at City won't be saying that. That's the, the cynical thing. Twitter. Well, people, yeah. he's incredibly highly rated at City. Yeah, they absolutely love him and and rate him very highly. And that's you know from you, Caldoons to your tea ladies. Um, they all the tea ladies might not or tea men men might not rate his coaching abilities as much but um, but you know I I speak to a lot of youth players and you know you ask them about when they trained with Guardiola's first team about it being a step up and quite a few have said that it's not felt like a step up because they had Vieira's training sessions before them so they were youth and so he was on such a level um, that it meant that it wasn't such a big transition yeah. going up to be coached by one of the best trainers in the world. So I think um, we're also reaching a point in wider football where clubs are looking for a philosophy and a brand of football rather than achievements. Look at how close yeah. Arteta came to getting the Arsenal job. Um, and that kind of makes you think that in one sense, it doesn't matter how much success Vieira has at Nice as long as he continues doing what he's been yeah. doing. 
he's already firmly in the frame as a name to replace Guardiola when Guardiola leaves. So something is going to have to go wrong for him not to be uh, even more in the frame when that time does come. And and good luck to him for taking the job because yeah. you know it is he's moving out of his uh, comfort his comfort zone and the the security that the City Football Group offers you. Yeah. Um, but you know he's shown throughout his career, both playing and coaching, that he's hugely ambitious. Yeah. And uh, yeah, fair play to him for taking it. Good luck to him. Because only be good news really for City. It's kind of really good a good idea about just how well he is cut out to management and that. And, it, and it, because he's a, a relatively small club in France, um, there isn't going to be that massive spotlight on him. He can just get about his it's business. Really interesting. He can, yeah, yeah, I think it'll well, he won't be expected that. to win the league no, or anything no, like that. No, so build not. up. Yeah. Like I said, I think Champions League qualifications is about the, the highest he can get. Maybe a good cup run and see where. Nice yeah, have had really. decent runs in the Europa yeah. League in the past, so you know they're you know that type mm. of a team, but. I Last season that, they did well with Ben Arthur and Balotelli as the uh, well, the Champions League qualifying. I think yeah, this, this year, season yeah. lost went out to Napoli, so they yeah. could have been in City's group. Mm. Who knows? We'll have to see what the future holds for Patrick Vieira, and who knows? One day we might be discussing him as the new City manager on this podcast. We'll have to wait and see. But like you said before, we've got a World Cup on the horizon. We'll give Sai a chance to go get his World Cup sticker album just in time. Ian, you're away for a couple of weeks now, but... Yeah, I'm not going to be doing this for a couple of weeks, but uh, I'll be back. You'll be back. I'll be back. That's what we like to do. We'll definitely hear from you from the pre-season tour as well. And we'll have yeah, all I'll updates. be with Simon and Stuart on pre-season, yeah, so... That's a real treat, isn't we it? We might do a couple of podcasts out there and stuff, so... Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. keep you updated on that's that. Wet your appetite enough, hasn't it? Isn't yes. It? So me and Simon will be back as and when any transfers happen over the next couple of weeks. Who knows? Simon's prediction could come true. The World Cup <laughs> starts in four days. We could have two transfers yet. If so, it's going to be a very busy week for us both. But thank you for joining us on Talking City. Make sure to subscribe to us on Acast for all the latest episodes.